Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, Modi Lasimcha, good morning. Let's get down to do that uh, Tefillah podcast for today. As I mentioned before, uh, since it's uh, uh, holiday time, Pesach, so I want to talk more about uh, Putim and things like that, because it won't be no good once Pesach is over. And perhaps I'll return to this subject on other holidays in the future. We'll see, because there's an endless amount of very fascinating and controversial material uh, connected with the fights over Putim and the meanings of them. Uh, there's a uh, time to talk, but I want to do something very specific. Yesterday, I gave the biography of Yehuda Al Harisi, and I want to, as I said before, share a poem <clears throat> from him on this subject, which shows you that in the height of the Middle Ages, uh, <clears throat> when Putin were flourishing and were being composed all the time, there were still were big controversies about them, and there were two sensibilities which express themselves today between those shuls that are against Putin or don't sue him for one reason or the other, and those who say the opposite because it's a minig or whatever the reason <coughs> is. Um, <clears throat> these are old fights, and as I say before, they're existential because uh, some people are into this stuff and some not. The Putin and the Krovus and the Yotris and all that come from a time which is very opposite from what you find today, especially in, in America, Chutzlars. Today, people want to get out of shul as soon as possible. Uh, people coming, you know, to knock off davening. And one thing you definitely want to have is a long davening and so on and so forth. They have ashkamings, this, that, and the other. Sermons and drushes, depends who the rabbi is, you know. If if they like what he says, though, you're willing to put up with it. Otherwise, it's better to have a show. No uh, drushes, no sermons and things like that. So this is the sensibility today. If you tell me, oh, we started now and we got out an hour and 15 minutes later, Givaldic. Once upon a time, things weren't like that. Once upon a time, there was an opposite sensibility. People said, <coughs> two hours in shul is not long enough. How can we stretch the davening that we should be in shul three hours and four hours and five hours? Obviously, it's a different way of life, a different look. Uh, it obviously reflects a world in which you have internet, you have TV, you have books to read, you have mishpacha and all the magazines, all this business. And the time spent in the synagogue was like very precious to them as a communal effort. And frankly, that's where most Jews got their Yiddishkeit once upon a time. Uh, it wasn't yeshivish. They just imagine the Baal boss of old male and female <clears throat> who during the week had very little to do with Yiddishkeit, no matter what the legal obligations are. And they would come once a week or something like that to show. And, you know, they were observant if you want to call that observant, but, you know, not the way necessarily we would understand observance today. People have it all wrong about the Middle Ages and earlier and earlier. And in addition to that, you know, well, l- let me say this. If you go out of town, as I have from time to time, you see in small communities where there's not a lot of Jews, they like to spend longer in shul at the Kiddush or afterwards or whatever, just socializing with other Jews, just meeting other people like themselves. Plus, the one more factor, uh, is, as I understand it, all, all you ever get is my understanding, is I never tire of repeating. And... um 
a lot of the piyutim had their origins, as I understand it, in um, in what we called in in Eretz Yisrael, in times of religious persecution, when the government itself destroyed the Torah of Alpeh, the Roman government, the Christian government. There were no Gemaras or anything like that. The Yushalmi, for example, was cut off in the middle because the Romans just killed all the rabbis and so forth. And so, um, really, what you imagine, Nick or Yiddish guy, you know, you're sitting and learning, none, none of that existed. And um, the prayers was the whole Yiddish guy. And if someone could expand the prayers, it's like getting more insights into Yiddish guy for those people. And it was precious to them. And so we find that people used to compose and communities would exchange new piyutim to add to the davening, new yotras and things like that, which is, as I say, the reverse of the way people feel today. <clears throat> now, there developed two competing sensibilities, I mean, 1,500 years ago, 1,600 years ago at least. One would be generally associated with Eretz Yisrael, the other was Babel. The Israeli sensibility, having been under the Byzantine Empire, the Christian Empire for a long time, subject to extensive periods of religious persecution, was uh, to try to turn the contents of what happens in the synagogue into as rich and long as possible. Um, the other way, <coughs> the other sensibility was the yeshivish sensibility, which you find in Bavel, where, where you had the yeshivas unlike in Israel. And the yeshivas are, there's a certain there's a certain we put it together, and no one should deviate from it. And all through the Middle Ages, there were disagreements, uh, sometimes bitter, over issues like saying extra long davening, especially when the original sensibility deteriorated. As I said, the the, the situation I described where people want to stay longer in shul and they, they like to hear new uh, versions of davening, maybe new songs or whatever, uh, especially if they rhyme. There was a time when that was hot, and then it wasn't hot anymore, and it was boring, like to their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, all the rest of it. But they kept it up because of Minhagim. So in other words, I don't change the minute. This is what we always say. I have no idea what I'm saying, but I keep it up. But the problem with that is they don't understand what Halloween Albuquerque means either. I mean, by a verk of it, they don't understand the regular stuff either. But the idea that there's certain basic tefillah and other things are piyutim, that distinction was as strong in <clears throat> the, the more normative and yeshivish type places and less so in the other places. <clears throat> now, the story I'm going to talk about is in the 1200s, which is a fascinating time, because our hero, as I tried to describe it some length yesterday, Al-Kharizi was exactly in the Middle Ages in the very early 1200s, <clears throat> which, by the way, was a time when many people were emigrating from Europe to the Middle East, many Rishonim, like the Rishba, not the Rajba, but the Rishba, and a whole bunch of other, Yerbriyonos and Akoin, possibly, uh, many big gedolim, we're moving to uh, Eretz Yisrael, to Egypt, and places like that, from Spain, from France, and so on and so forth. And as Hutzuk Gikacht, you know, it's a lot of things happening over there. And one of the issues was um, the idea of these piyutim and extra long davening when it led to people just sitting there bored. And with sitting, people sitting bored, then you just uh, end up with bull sessions, Kiddush Rishons, and who knows what. You understand? And so then it turned its feel into a mockery, which obviously was not what it had in mind originally when the piyutim. So the point I'm making is as follows. If you went, for example, in the year 1200, 1210, 1220, <clears throat> you could go to some place in some synagogues in which 
The Kehillah understands the Piyutim more or less. Uh, they're wonderfully composed by Spanish, you know, Yehuda Levi and Gabriel, people like real poets. Uh, it's done, you know, Sephardi style, eh, 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 like that. And uh, it rhymes, and, and it's a good cadence. And everybody has a fun time saying it. The closest thing I would say to it is like a Karl Bach davening for those who like it. You see? So everybody has a good davening. And the extra piyutim that you say on this yantam or that yantam were like precious to them. And it turned the Shabbos morning or yantam morning experience into a happening. And that's a plus. Uh, and as we'll see, usually those killers included a number of people at least who understood what they're saying and could appreciate it. And that gave a certain chashivas. There were other places also at that time as well <clears throat> in which the whole public there didn't understand a word they were saying and the and the, the piyutim are monotonous and, you know, it doesn't matter whether they rhyme or not, these people don't understand Hebrew bechlal and the words are hard anyway in some places and therefore everybody's sitting there bored out of their mind, I mean bored, bored and once you're bored, you shoot the ball you have a, a card game in the back of the shoulder like I say, you have a kiddush vishon, you have a bull session you have this, that and the other and all kind of halachic problems arose. Uh, when our hero, <coughs> Yudal Kharizi, was in Egypt, it was right, happened to be at the time when a big controversy was raging in Cairo, a very interesting one, which was only discovered at the time of um, of the, uh, what do you call it? Um, when they found the Geniza in Cairo in 1896, these rare documents that somehow or other survived. And... Um, <coughs> The result is <clears throat> that they discovered the following. Egypt has traditionally been a place which was welcoming the Jews. It's kind of funny because here we are in Pesach. <clears throat> but in the Middle Ages, <clears throat> especially after the Arabs took over in the 600s, so we about the 600s, 700s, 800s, 900s, 1000s, and so on and so forth, it's kind of interesting that Egypt, which usually had a pretty decent economy, was a place that it was um, comfortable to be Jewish. They had their ups and downs, and it depends on the rulers, but there was always a strong Jewish community and a very variegated Jewish community, a little bit like America, like New York, <clears throat> in the sense <clears throat> that different groups ran away from persecution elsewhere or bad economies elsewhere and ended up in Egypt, in Cairo, in Alexandria primarily. Um, that means that just like New York City, you ended up with a wide variety of different types of minions. If you went to New York 50 years ago, here's a Satmar place, here's a Yekisha place, here's a Oberlander place, <clears throat> here's a Pilesha place, here's a Litvisha minion, here's a this minion, a that minion, you know what I mean, right? You can find, by the way, a uh, Sephardi minion, you can find a Turkish minion, you can find a Greek, Greek, I say, you know, Romania, because in New York, everybody went to New York for the business, to, for, for, for economics. <clears throat> so you have a wide variety Cairo, in a smaller sense, was like that in Alexandria. <clears throat> so you would find synagogues there, Sepharadim, not many, mostly be local Egyptians. You'd also have Jews from Greece. Each one of these groups has their own shul, get it? You have uh, Jews from Bavel in Cairo, in Alexandria, with Babylonian system, Ashkenaz shuls, Italian shuls, and so forth. <clears throat> Among them would be Israeli shuls, Minigaris Israel, particularly Yerushalayim. So it's weird. It's a, it's a Yerushalayim show in Cairo or Alexandria. <clears throat> Al-Shams, they call it, you know, from Syria, and play, an Aleppo show in Cairo. And this is, um, you know, how it was for a long time. By the way, the famous spy, Eli Cohn, was 
a Syrian Jew's family was living in Egypt for the economics of it, for example. Okay, now, um, <clears throat> one of the, these shuls, there were like two of them, three of them, they kept up the old minhug at variance with what everybody else did. For example, they did the three-year cycle. They mamish never changed. So no, they only had, you know what I mean? So they only had simplest Torah once every three years. People have written about this. You get it? They, they do it their way. And the basic idea was, this is their brand. This is their marker as a, as a, as a minion, as a show of, of distinct identity. We do things our way. Uh, one of the things involved all these long piyutim. Aye, by the time you get to a certain level, it's not like the great-grandparents, the ancestors, th their descendants have no idea what's going on, but they pay the chazan to say out loud all the piyutim on behalf of everybody else, and he's just sitting there, and you're just in a show, and the guy's going on and on and on. Now, there were those who strongly objected to it. The Egyptian Jews basically was live and let live. You don't want to like, you don't like a David and a minion. But there was a guy whose identity we really discovered in the Geniza, uh, Yosef Rosh Haseder. He was a Jew from Baghdad, from Babel. And they moved, his family moved to Egypt. He grew up there. But he brought a Babylonian and what we would call today a halachic and yeshivish sensibility. And it bothered him a lot that these, that these shoals are keeping up minhagim and piyutim and things like this in a way that's at variance with what the halacha is supposed to be the way he saw it. And he ended up asking the government to intervene. And there's uh, many articles about this. Uh, I'm looking at one where uh, from Professor Friedman <coughs> where uh, in six, in 1211, which is right around the time Al-Kharizi comes there, uh, right around that time, uh, I, I want you to listen to this. Um, he was um, uh, compl they only discovered this in the Cairo Geniza. So he writes a letter to the government in which he's basically saying that um, this habit in this show, these long piyutim, when nobody else says, and he's talking about the piyutim, not a realizer, clear, but a, people you never heard of, Yana, Yossi, Ben Yossi, and, and people of that nature, um, this should be abandoned. And he wrote a memo with like nine or ten reasons which sound very interesting to us today. I'll read you very briefly the reasons. Shmona ta'amim l'dechiyas ha'piyutim she'bebirchas krishma v'zulosam That, uh, you know, eight reasons to abandon the piyutim. They shouldn't do this. Okay? Number one. Ka'asheroim emispalim shachazan posach bashir v'zem se'birchas krishma what they do? You know, they had piyutim as we do, meaning, as you find in Sidurim, I don't know if people say it, once after you get the Barhu, right? So when they do that, uh, immediately, once they start the piyutim, so in other words, and then it's off to the piyutim, and then everybody except the chazan abandons, and they start they start a talking session. Uh, you know, it's talking in shul. Uh, both sessions. Number two, base Hashir Nimshach Lufavim, Kedei Krishma Kulam, V'chayovim Heim Eifolikrod Shema Shainis, V'enim Mosinkin. That the, uh, the Piyutim last so long, you know, the Krovos and this and that, the other, the Zolos, they last so long, you, you skip the time of Krishma, and you got to say Krishma again, and they don't. Hapidem Minyan Abrocha. The Piyutim that they recite have nothing to do with the subject matter. Uh, now, what you find in your art scroll, Moxer, is not like that. They use 
Piyutim from Europe, which are Nogea to the subject at hand. I mean, I mentioned, for example, an outstanding example last week with the Piyut about Pesach, but you know, whenever we have you and I today in those masters, whether you say them or skip them, they are stuff that have to do with the holiday. But in the old days, they didn't do that. Number four, Hapiach Hofeches Retzina Leitzanus. The whole Piyut turns that which is serious into Leitzanus. Marshal Mardavadomer, for example, he says, what was this like? Imagine somebody would come to the Sultan of Egypt with a request. Right? And he gets in to see the Sultan, the king, and then instead of giving his request, right? David starts to recite poetry. Wouldn't the king get angry at him? He said, I'm here, for, I, I let you in to talk tachos, and now you're shooting the bull with poems? Get out of here. You'll kill him. Complaint number five. Uh, the piyutim can become so long and so involved, you forget it kills your kavana. It's hard enough, as we know, to hold kavana for two minutes. Now you owe me kavana for 25 minutes while the guy's going to piyutim? Number six. And, you know, people stay too long and they're complaining and borching, and it kills, it stares their onik Shabbos, their onik yantip. Next, Bebrachas Zayim, Bebrachas Krishma Yish, Bebrachas Gitzaris, Bebrachas Aruchas, some are longer Bebrachas, some are shorter one. Asur Laharich Bixara. And when you have a shorter Bebracha, the idea is the Chazal made it should be short. And you're adding Piyutim and Shirim, and, 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 and you're defeating the purpose of Chazal. And anyway, that's the general idea. <coughs> So this was, um, and incidentally, what happened was he asked the king, the, the sultan, to uh, order the shul to close down. Naturally, the shul went ahead and hired as a lawyer or a bribe the doctor of the king who was who probably had some family connection with them, the Jewish doctor. And whatever they tried to do, the king said, no, leave him alone. No, there's the whole attempt to <clears throat> force them to change their davening and get rid of Putin was quashed. There's a tiny little tempest of the teapot. is typical of what was going on among Jewish communities in the Gate of Piyutim back in the 13th century in the Middle East. Now, with that in mind, we have a wonderful poem to my mind from Al-Kharizi, in which he visits, as I said before, he's going um, on his tours in the Middle East, and he comes to Kurdistan, Mosul, which, if you follow the news, that's where a lot of fighting was going on with the Kurds and the ISIS and all this junk. And... Uh, that was a Mosul, a famous Jewish city also. You understand, there were important, throughout history, there have been uh, Jews in Kurdistan. I would even say the Kurds t- treated them relatively well. Um, this is called Ashur. There were Assyrians still left over from ancient Ashur living in that area. And our hero, now I'm going to read you the poem, says, He starts with his character saying, that uh, he meets a certain guy who says, I want to tell you some amazing things I saw. I went, right, from Eretz Gishur, from Syria, and I went to Ashur, all right, Assyria, which you and I call Kurdistan, right, northern Iraq today. When the rich guys stopped giving money, they turned into stones, so I had to find new patrons. Now, I came to the city on a Friday, I was impressed. 
Hamon Robosha Nimsa Bekirba, Emil of Honu Yeshuba, Vain Bechol Ritzoski Yofio, Belo Kader Ritzivia, Begam Zobas Cholobud Vash Tevahi Piria. It's a rich, prosperous uh, city with a good climate. Ephes Kiazam Yosha Allah. The Jews there are very tough individuals. Hashokhm Neamene Begulel, Kiloyis Nanabechem Lichu Bliel. They don't give tzedakah. Michut v'atzroch na'om. They wouldn't even give you a string, a shoelace. V'kulam tzuris v'kaspeim tzuris v'kapeim v'kapeim And they hold on to their money. <coughs> Naturally, he's a poet, so he's looking at people who are willing to sponsor him. But that's not the point. When I came to the city, a little bit confused because you're coming from a long journey. Erev Shabbos im chashecha. I arrived in the town, in the Jewish community, late on Friday. Omarti Ulai based feel a krova, Maybe I can go and find the shul. Davening, kasher bossi ubeisat filah. When I came to the shul, ima kehila, riyasiyah yafav kehila armen. It was a big fancy shul. Biyashavti betoch hahamon, and I sat among the crowd. While you let see the shnei zekenim aruchi zekanim, and there were two zekenim from the community with long beards, chasun kalonim, big tall guys. Mimochrei hatehila zulam and akonim, the type of people. Who sell praises don't buy meaning they weren't they were jerks. Uh, and may horse body at the type of people who knock down base hatzedek, not those who build them up. Bale Komos, tall, bitna maremus fat, lahem the fasha bazuyas, and emeralds. Very arrogant. you know. these are the Jews he sits next to in Shul. The Kasher, Sheiltum Agadolahem, Vyeser Kalim, when he asked about the local communities in charge. I asked about the Chazan. They told me, because they saw him a traveler, we have Rosh Galusas, meaning heads of the community here, you know, presidents of the Shul. They're like pearls. We got a guy, we employ as a Chazan. Now this is in the Middle East, where the Chazan does the whole dominating for everybody. Darshan, he also gives drushas. Onov, Shafal, Baishan, Big, tall, you know, heavy guy that's considered good in the Middle East. Tefilaso Areva. His davening is sweet. Chevroso Ahuva. Niginoso Toby. He's got good Nigunim. Yore Batar, Yikar Bemishnah, Viyizra Nevim, Kamaswara, Viyodea Piyutim Yukarim, Bashar Bashim. He knows Piyutim. He's a good singer. He's Gavaldic. Ukashami Devrayim. And when I heard them say this, Amarti Tehilo Leel Vashevach. Thank you, uh, Lord. I lucked out. I came to a place, it's Friday afternoon, off a long journey, and I got lucked out. I came to a place where there's a good chazan. You know, a Jew likes to hear a good chazan. If he's good. While I was thinking like this, And he was dressed like a cantor a thousand years ago, with a white uniform and a tall hat. Right, and Mitznefes like Kohen Gadol, Levon and the Imam, Basmosayim Amah. It was two hundred feet tall. Of course, this is poetry. It's exaggerated. No, the guy came in with a full, big, fancy uniform, Cantor, Besarish Zakanu Atabur Hericha, and he had a long beard that went down to his belly button. Vayichasei Besmicha. He put on the talis. Yischalz Gidelam. He had a train like a, a of clothing. Uh, in other words, it's a showmanship. You understand? It's like a pride. What do you call? You know, the the people, the girls behind carrying the train. You know, he had such a long thing behind him that you could trip on it. Uh, so he came in dressed like a uh, performer. Kiroseno, when we saw him, we said, wow. 
We were all trembling, those he looked so chashav to Chazan, v'shtachavinu l'mosa, and we bowed to him, v'chrashto l'mosa, and we were all silent. Ad hechel b'ni mosa, until he started davening. U'pasach t'filoso, u'monisi lo b'tfila, yoser mimea t'uyos, brus glulius. And I was shocked. This great Chazan made a hundred mistakes, glulius brus, clear mistakes, in the Ivra, just a couple of Shabbos. Milvada Cheres Hashem besides a bunch of small mistakes. Achlo anisi, but I said nothing. Kiomarti ule mikrohu, otir de Shabbos hiviluso, oshena sasu. Maybe there's a reason, you know. Maybe he was uh, too, uh, you know, rushed to shul from praying Shabbos or whatever. He was tired. I'll hear him tomorrow morning. By morning, when he comes to shul, hishkamti levesat filo, vini achazen ba. Now I repeat, in these communities like the Sephardim today. The Chazan does all the davening from the beginning on to the end. He sat on the, uh, you know, on the bimah, as we say. And he started with, you know, with the mea brachas. Which are, which should be well known to him. And he started, uh, you know, saying the brachas out loud. Instead of saying, Instead of saying Bechachma, Ashi Yatsa is on Behema. Ashi Yatsa is on Behema. So obviously, this is a poet, and the guy must have talked like a Litvish or something. So he said, Bechachma, you know, something like that. And it came out Behema. Uh, so wait a minute. Ashi Yatsa is on Behema. God made man into a Behema. He made so many mistakes, I can't count them. For example, Instead of where David Amel says and tell him, protect me from mazes, from intentional sins, you know, what's the right word? Take pruning hooks and of 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 uh, olives and cut me with them. Shomer break his bones. May God give you uh, the fat of the land. <laughs> May God strike you with a sharp sword. In other words, he made mistakes in the Ivra, which came out that he's cursing the people instead of blessing them. <laughs> that God covers the heavens with clouds. <laughs> which are instruments. He said, I assume you know what I'm talking about from the davening. Instead of saying, Oh Lord, it is in your hands, he said, To blaspheme and hurt everybody. I was ashamed to be there. I regretted having come to Shul. But I keep my mouth shut. I put my hand in my mouth, listen, I'm a stranger. Once he finished what you and I call Pesukah de Zimra, Zimiroso, so then starts the Baruch and the, and the Piyutim. Omad al-Omdo, he stood up, because I guess the first part he said, sitting down, La-Roch now to start the Piyutim, the Tehilos. And he was an actor, the Chazan, he's a performer, because the Balabatim are all stupid and they fall for such things. And so he did dramatic gestures. V'chisa Ponov, he covered his face with his hands. not out of humility. For Ahmad Begaiva. 
he moved and shaking you know, all in dramatic form. The Hayrim Raglo Hayamanis Varadashedis picked up one leg, put down the other. Notice he must have done all kind of performing type acts that the people are impressed with. The Acharanis, he moved back a little, a step forward. And he opened for him his whole treasure house of his Chachma. Notice he showed off what he can do. The Harem Beisachoso, the Hischalomer Piyutim B'Shirim, and he started reciting Piyutim and Shirim, Kulam Shvurim Upischem Bivrim. All of them were broken and lame and blind, meaning the words were wrong. But Darkamu Ukal Belocherzo Meshkal. They didn't rhyme. They were inferior. Ubelo Inyan Velo Binyan. The Kasher Herich Piyutov. And as he went on and on and on with these Piyutim, Lishotov, for his Shotim that were there. Because he had a few fans, Vashiri Chasulov, Lixilov, and as he continued his stupid songs, his putim for his idiots, Umizmorov, Lechamorov. So what happened? Yesh mixes Amasher Yashu. Some people stayed there. Mehem Yashnu Shnatsam and they fell asleep, eternal sleep. Uktsasam Barchavul Shabul. Others left Shul. Period. They're done. Ubezek and as so notice, they never even got to Krishna. But now, folks of Hashvari, and let's put it this way, the sheep abandoned the shepherd, right? Uh, or the oxen. All that was left was four chamarim. I think he's referring to the choir. Or maybe the people consider themselves the choir, and they were singing along with the chazam. <clears throat> so you have a large synagogue, as he said before, and it's pretty much abandoned. They consider themselves like a choir. And he went on like this from Barchu until Tzarayim, until 12. Uh, he never got to Krishna. Till their tongues cleaved to their palates, meaning till they were dry in the throat. And by the time he finished his Piyutim, which he was showing off with, he got around to continue with the davening to get to Shema, lo ish beveisa knesses. Nobody was left. Because everybody was already asleep. Meaning, by that time, what happened? It's not what you think. This is the 1200s. The average guy out there doesn't know how to daven. He comes to Shul to listen to the chazan, recite the whole tefillah. I told you, that's what the Spartan do. Right? The whole tefillah. Those who know how to daven along, daven along. Those who don't sit there and are yodzu with him. He says, a bracha, you say amen, and that sort of thing. Okay? So, when they heard with the whole piyutim, everybody, little by little, I'm sure, left. We're talking about a shul that starts, I imagine, 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning, something like that, 7.30. <clears throat> and he's still going with the piyutim until 12. So people simply left. They did not daven. They simply went home, had their Shabbos meal or Yanta meal, and went to sleep. Done. Kinim sebatayim yeshenim kal Caleb. Everybody was home sleeping. Boy. In the in the community was somebody who was from the nobles and the Hasidim, meaning a good guy. You know, and when he heard about this, meaning not this incident, but you know, this phenomenon, it bothered him. He was angry. And now Al-Kharizi presents in this poetic form. The arguments for and against the Beutim. Okay? Hashem. 
<clears throat> is it nice in the eyes of the Lord to compose Dvarim Betelem? Because he considers these bad poems, these piyutim, Dvarim Betelem, let's Hashem. Is it right? Do you make everybody leave without davening? It's wrong. All we have left over from the old way of divine service, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, was the carbonus. And the carbonus are gone. All we have down is tefillah. Instead of offering up animals, tachnuni. Amar, we do davening. Tfila, commotion. Amar unashalma parim svasenu. Vanachnu ba misrashlim, but some mevatlim, and we are uh, deficient on that, and we're mevatlim. Babur shiri havolim for these dumb piyutim. The shiri havolim, right? So you you you, you abandon the ikker for the tuffle. Vayomit svivo ish riba. When he was saying this, an opponent of his. Stood up. When he heard this, he argued with him. He said, It's not what you're wrong. And what you're saying is a lie. In other words, I have a completely different opinion on this subject. The main part of Davini is not reciting by rote these words that you find in a sitter. He didn't agree with that. Davini should be an emotional experience, a passionate experience. That the tehillah, meaning the, the piyutim, which give expression to a person's religious feelings, they're the ikr, And so the nigunim of the piyutim, right? So this is much like a Karbach type argument today, or or you know something similar. He's expressing what some people held. The davening we have today is a joke in the sense that originally in the base of Migdash, when you had the ideal davening, it was accompanied with a instruments and a choir and things like that. And when they had a temple, the musical part of it was like more precious to God than a lot of other parts of it. In other words, it's an acre part of the Jewish feel to have music, to have uh, a choir, to have spontaneity, and to do more than just the rote recitation of the basics. And now that we're in Golis, no, no temple, we, we try to, these tefillos uh, um, uh, and the songs that accompany these piyutim, because that's what they used to do, they used to have songs, you know. That is now the Iker Davening. It's the basis of Judaism. So he's making the argument, as people did in the Middle Ages, the piyutim are important in the davening. Isn't that amazing? The whole Klal Yisrael does it. They can't all be wrong. That wherever they are in the Goliaths, whenever in the different places of exile, they say piyutim and krobas. How can we abandon the minhagim of our avos? <clears throat> so you just had presented the argument for piyutim, as opposed to the argument opposed. Amr Atoin, the first guy who was anti-piyutim, responded, "Emesdi barto ki bismancha beis hamigdash kaim hayazmiras va todo ikravodim." I don't deny that when the beis hamigdash was around, 
the songs, the Tehillim, the choir, and all the rest of it, the band, was an icker part of the Avodah. But, Ocho, but, but that's different than today. But Ocho, it's a Shechina, Shama Shechina. You're talking about the base of Megish when the Shechina was there. Poyim Basharim, Sadikim Gamorim, Hoyalavim, and Agnim, Shiri, David, Lozulosab. And they didn't sing Piyutim in the base of Megish. They sang the Tehillim that we say in Davening. But you call a Shama Vinimism, and the public understood Hebrew in the time base of Megish. But now, ain't Hechal, ain't Migdosh, lo Tehillah, velo Shir Chadosh, lo Levim, lo Kohanim, lo Mashurim, velo Menagnim, lo Tzadikim, velo Yesharim. We don't have any of those righteous people and good things today. What do we have today instead? Kulim Sari Sorim, as Isaiah says, they're all a bunch of rebellious uh, community leaders. Menagdim, they're gunim. The people with the Nagunim are jerks. Hamashurim, or Tzorim. Chazonim, lo Yavinu Magidabir. The Chazonim don't even understand what they're saying. Ha'om, lo Yedimash Chazonim Yomer. And the Tzibur definitely doesn't understand the words. Of Makom Shiri David HaKadoshim, Yeshur Lehem Shiri HaKadoshim. And now, as has always been popular, um, instead of tunes that go back to David Amach, which we don't know these tunes, right? They have Shiri Kadeshim. They use Arab songs, which are associated with prostitutes, meaning they use, you know, common Arab songs, which are vulgar. You get it? Vulgar. Uh, and that's what you introduce into the synagogue. So here we have a fight that's going on forever. Uh, should you have American tunes or whatever to the... Uh, you know what I mean, to, to, the, uh, to the tune of the Davani, or the, um, oh, what do you call it, or the Piyutim, uh, just off the top of my head, I've seen some Lubavitch that do, dun 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 you know, uh, 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 the, the Marseillaise, or something like that, the French anthem. Uh, is that right? The guy says, and are you going to compare these stupid songs to the words of David Adoim? Are you going to compare... Uh, a, a torn garment to uh, to uh, uh, diamonds. Hamesim el Chaim. You're going to compare it to Mesim, the Arab songs tunes to the Chaim to David Melchs. And the guy goes on saying, while the Chazan is saying all the piyutim, the 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 public is is complete ignorance. They don't know what he's saying, a kino or a shira, you know, good or bad. How is it possible that God likes this? The average Jew, he says, the average Balabas, who doesn't know anything, doesn't know his right hand from his left hand, he wanders throughout life covered by darkness of ignorance. This regular Shnuk Jew comes once a week this is his whole Yiddish guide to come to Shul on Shabbos, when he's not working. But because of the system we have with the Payutim and the Shmiyutim, he leaves with the same ignorance that he, he came. Because after all, he does not know how to daven. He's relying on the Chazan. And the Chazan never got around to finishing the davening. So the Chazan wasn't Yotzi the So again, you just have the two sensibilities. There's right and wrong, there's a halachic approach, versus the guy who says, no, we like this singing. Amr Bal Rivo. So the guy in favor of the said, HaTachshov, Ki Bavur Tanasecha Chalushas Vadalas. Do you think because of your dumb arguments, Nazov Anachnu Mina Kolakehelos, we're going to bend our and hug him? Because all over the world, people do piyutim 
and uh, among the and 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 the authors are among the greatest rabbis. Kagon Kehilas Farad, Kehilas Marav, Spain and Morocco, Kehilas Yavon, Kehilas Tsarfas, Asher Ein Eretz Miartzosam, Ben Kehilam Mikilosam, Shaloyam Rabo Krobus Veshiros Rabos. See, interesting. He's saying everywhere all over the Jewish world, there's a lot of piyutim wherever you go. The Ashkenaz and the Sephardim, the the the, the Moroccans, the Greeks. It's, it's a basic part of Judaism. I'm davening. They got plenty of dummies in their communities also. Dummies like real dummies like Bahamas. But just because you have some dumbbells in the shul doesn't mean you drop you drop them in hugim of the of the piyutim. And you want to introduce something that never was before to elimin- eliminate the piyutim. So here again. One hand, the guy saying who introduced all this stuff, and the other guy saying, "How dare you interfere with piyutim and krovis uh, and things like that?" Yotzers who had been around forever. Armelah Hatoin said, "In the first guy, meaning the anti-piyutim guy, said, listen, ain ear mikol That's different than here in Iraq than this community. There's no community out there like our community, like he says. There's no city like our city." Where's 100% All the other communities you mentioned, some are, some aren't. Come on, In all the Kahilas out there, some people understand the Putim, part of the Tzibur does, and those are the people, in other words, the educated part, who understand the Tavening. In Yomar Chazan Shiratil, if the Chazan starts with Piyutim, Yavina Dvar mixes Akila. At least some understand it. So at least you have a Tzibor in which part of the people are accompanying the Chazan when they recite the Piyutim. But here where we are in Kurdistan, Kulam Shavarim, they're all a bunch of behemoths. Midas Nevarim, they know nothing. Gamachazan lo Yavim Mashu Omer, Velo Bamashu Maskelo Gomer. Right? The Chazan even doesn't understand what he's saying. If he gets it right, they don't know. If he gets it wrong, they don't know. He likes to sing with his choir, who look like a bunch of behemoths covered in white <laughs> white uh, robes, you know, the choir. When he raises his voice to sing, nobody understands what he's saying. He can bray in his foolishness. Like an animal. And who is he singing for and dancing with his feet and raising his hands, shaking his hands? Because I told you, they obviously relied on the public not knowing anything. And what they do is they do a, like a like a, a, a Las Vegas performer, you know. Rakla Kiris Basic Anessis. The only person he's singing for is not a person but the walls of the shoal. Kamosha Nemar, Esmiyor Devis Mion Shmuel. Filu Nimsa Bachal Kehilas Kil Kazos. If this community was typical of Jewish communities, bought them a Krovas Ashiras, Va Piyutim Azimirs, then there would be no Piyutim. Because we're dealing with a bunch of Amaratsim Shane Kamom. Bachal Mispal Badivri Piyutim Lazos Akila. Anybody uses Piyutim for a community like this, Tfiloso Tifla Tfiloso Tola. Then his davening is the opposite of davening, and his praise is the opposite of praise. So what are we seeing over here in the 13th century? There are some shoals, depending on the seaboard, where piyutim is a, is a plus, and it enhances the quality of davening, 
and the religious feeling, all the rest of it. But there are other communities in which it's inappropriate because the people don't understand, and it stares at least the minimum they should get from the tefillah. You already start to see where you line up on this if you're listening. And a community like this, where nobody understands what's happening in the show, it'd be better for people to stay home on Shabbos than to come and add sins. Why? Because um, at home you don't say, like the Vilna Gaon, you don't say, oh, Lush and Har, all the rest of it. And you're not Yotzi the davening anyway, because they never get around to the davening. You don't know Yotzi Krishma, you're not Yotzi Shamanes, right? Everybody walks around in darkness anyway. Because they don't get anything out of the, the, the prayer service. So I concede, he says, that in regular communities, piyutim and so forth are mutter. But not to this community. Now, this is our poet, obviously taking revenge, as he says in the fact, this is a community where nobody gave him a donation. But still, it's not saying that it does not reflect accurately the social reality. When the guy who was pro-Putim heard what he said, he admitted, you're right. He shut up. Now, our poet goes on to say, there's a guy in a nearby town, Arbel, which is not far from Mosul. If you follow the news, there's a lot of fighting there. And he wrote a contras. A, a, a and he argued against the pro guy. He said, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. He argued against the anti putim guy. And he said, listen to this. He said, the Piyutim or Iker, more important than the davening. And when the guy finished writing his countries, in which he argued that the Piyukim are the Iker, and he should abandon the Tefillah, and just have services on Saturday morning at such times, just the Piyukim, he dropped dead. And he had all kind of, he composed a long countries, a long letter in which he made the argument for Piyukim and against the Tefillah. <laughs> Because he dropped dead, his stupidity was hidden from people. Uh, because if people would have read it, it would be like Bill, um, you know, the, the God opened the mouth of the ass. He heavy times His arguments are stupid. So our poet has read his countries, and he said they're all stupid. He said, you know, you do not, f- listen closely, you do not find in the Chumash anywhere it says thou shalt uh, serve the Lord by going to Shol and Davening. Don't say those words. On the other hand, it's the Vayavar and Vayikra, which we say in Slichas all the time. So you see, the Slichas are in the Chumash, and the Tefillah is not in the Chumash. Therefore, the Slichas are more important than the Chumash. He said, boy, is that stupid, right? Uh, this vort that you find in Chazal that Avodah Hashem is equal to to Tefillah, that's a shvachav thing. And our author says anybody who makes such an argument that the piyutim of the Iker and the davening is the tafel ain't lechatov kapara. 
it's unforgivable. And he and he says, I conclude with the following little poem, Asher uh, which is in a very stylized form. Asher Yomer Rishus Hi Hatfila. Anybody who says that davening is just voluntary, but is a MS This guy is fatally stricken with stupidity. There's no cure. a guy like this will try to uh, cure his illness with dumb things. For a guy like this, silence is the best. We all know silence is the best meter. Had this guy who just dropped dead never written this and kept quiet, people would have thought he's smart. More you say, the worse it is. I, I see the worst thing is a fool who thinks he's smart. How can he understand anything when he's dumb? How can somebody hope to cure himself of blindness when he has covered his own eyes with, um, you know, like the Mars with, with, with um, what shall we say, uh, um, eye powder, you know, if he blinded himself. He, 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 he doesn't see that his time is so stupid. He said the Chacham say, ain't feel a chov. And his aid is absurd because the Chacham never said it. He was just trying to win an argument. But he worked for nothing. And I say, whoever says piyutim for an ignorant congregation, is speaking to an ear that cannot hear. It's like telling a piece of wood, stand up and shake, be inspired. Because if you don't understand the Hebrew of it, then what's the point? It's like knocking on a closed door. If the people in the shul can understand what's going on, then maybe. But if they don't understand what's going on, it's like knocking on a closed door. So if you have a, a, a shul like this, where the people don't understand, and you say slichas, or as we say, piyutim for them, if people are dumb, or ignorant, I should say, who are you saying uh, the extra putin uh, for? Here you're causing the davening to be pushed aside because of Zman and things like that in favor of the song and the singing. And so on and so forth. So he finally finishes and says, Save us, O Lord, from people trying to destroy the davening. Let us not go for foolishness. So here you have something that was written at the time of Roshonim. This is written a few years after the death of the Rambam. That's how long ago it was. Uh, it's the same time as intelligently presented and one can give today. Uh, now, in our time, the as I said before, the Piyutim are largely abandoned. You know, most shows, Yeshibish, I go like also, number one, people don't understand. So when I was growing up, I, as I said, people still said deals, but they said it by rote. Makes no sense. Today it's a little bit different because you have the art scroll and similar things, so you can find out the words if you care to. Uh, they don't necessarily inspire people today, unless you take the trouble 
to train yourself in them. In the Hungarian yeshivas, before the Second World War, the Rosh Hashiva used to give a shear on the Pirish Hamilas of the Piyutim and the Slichas the week before it was said, so the Bachram would understand what it's going, because they wanted to say the Piyutim for the reason that we heard in this poem, but they understood the people don't understand it, so unless you explain the Pirish Hamilas, it's a pointless. So no one, intel- I conclude by saying no one intelligent would, ar- would argue that if the Olam is not interested in it, and certainly if they don't understand the words, and if they're too lazy to get an art scroll or something like that to read the English, uh, then it's pointless. On the other hand, no one thoughtful will argue with the guy who said that the Piyushim can inspire and they can turn people on. Uh, notice, he did not bring up in this poem, and I'll conclude with this because it's Cholamoid. He says, no one um, brought up the point is a hefsek in davening. That's another reason that uh, people didn't like it. Uh, rather, they brought up questions of what is the point of to feel altogether. Is it just to recite things with a checkoff list? Like I said, came to Shoal, knocked off Sukkot Zimra, now knocked off Krishma. Okay, here we go. Done Shmona, say done. You know, Shachris, done. Mincha, done. Is that the way you go about it? Is that the Avodah Shabalev? Is that the Avodah Hashem? Or is it Tefillah like a template in which you're supposed to fill in, right? The, when the interstices, your feelings, and try to turn a chakras or a musaf into a dialogue with Hashem, which you get something out of it, and you come out inspired, and hopefully uh, you will, will try to improve based on on, on that tefillah. That's an interesting question. We're about to have the last days, for example, of Pesach. Is it true that you're going to go to Shul, for example, for Marev or for, you know, a musaf, and say, wow, that was such a well, the gadaving has resulted. I'm going to give up doing what I did before. I'm going to increase the, the mitzvahs. I'm going to increase the learning. Or not. Uh, rote versus uh, 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 extra uh, poems is a fascinating subject. The only real solution, as you see from this poem, is people should educate themselves in the Putin, and then they'll want to do because they're inspired. But that's like a, uh, <laughs> you know, that's ideal. I'm not counting on that. Anyway, I, thought, I wanted to share that with you because here you have a text, as I said before, was written Mamash in the time of the Rambam, you know, and it sounds like it's written today in Baltimore or Bar Park or B'nai Park or anywhere else, and uh, it sounds to me timeless. Anyway, with that, uh, I wish you a Moadim uh, Simcha and all that, and maybe if you think about this, the title of the poem is Maisa B'chazan Amaretz, maybe it's online somewhere, uh, and if it's, if it's of interest to you, you'll pursue this uh, topic on your own. Uh, so, so much for our Trilla podcast for a day, and uh, have a good night. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.